0: Welcome to another Nick Hawkes podcast. Well, let's talk about the very (laughs) difficult uh, issue of politically correct language and identity politics. I think it's fair to say that when politically correct language contributes to justice and honour, it's a very good thing. I mean, after all, justice is beautiful and God loves it. It is therefore a fundamental Christian value to honour others and not give offence. So, why is there a gathering disquiet about politically correct language? Well, the short answer is when it is no longer used to give equal honour, but to bludgeon people into conforming to an imposed ideological culture. But what sorts of things are happening in the world (laughs) which are causing concern? Canada has recently passed a law making it illegal to use the wrong gender pronouns. Canada's Senate passed Bill C-16 which puts gender identity and gender expression into both the country's human rights code as well as the hate crime category of its criminal code. Uh, Critics say that uh, Canadians who do not subscribe to progressive gender theory could be accused of hate crimes and be jailed and fined and made to take anti-bias training, all of which sounds very scary. But those who propose the bill say that it is not aimed at jailing those who use the wrong pronoun. It is aimed at punishing those who willfully promote gender hatred. However, this offers poor protection in today's sociological climate in which you can be accused of hatred if someone feels your comment to be hate. Uh, because they don't like the fact that you didn't refer to them by one of the new gender-neutral pronouns they've produced in Canada, such as Z ze or zeer. Jordan Peterson, a professor at the University of Toronto, is one of the bill's fiercest critics. and He insists that it infringes people's freedom of speech and institutes dubious gender ideology into law. So, what do you think? (laughs) I think it's fair to say that the use of language uh, has changed in the postmodern world we're living in. Once upon a time, the validity of language used to be determined by truth. However, in these postmodern times, this has changed. The validity of language is no longer determined by truth, but how it makes someone feel. Therefore, if your language makes me feel shame or makes me feel devalued, it is wrong whether or not what you say is true. And the other thing that has changed in our time is what determines right behaviour. Morality used to define what was right. um, But now the rightness of something is not determined by morality It is determined by whether or not it makes me happy. My happiness is the sole measure of what is right. Uh, The preeminence of what I feel and what makes me happy in determining language and behaviour are both symptoms of a society delaminating from its Christian bedrock. So let's talk about identity politics. Well, identity politics has sought to make good use of politically correct language. It has done so in order to promote the political power, rights, interests, perspectives of groups defining themselves by their sexual orientation, ethnicity, disability, class, generation, nationality and a host of other things. And of course, everyone loves justice. It is a beautiful and godly thing. But people are now asking if the language of political correctness in the hands of identity politics has been pushed too far. Uh, It's a sad fact that identity politics can use the language of justice and rights to oppress those who disagree with it, and also uh, used to promote victimology, i.e. a culture of playing the victim for political gain. When people are true victims, they should unquestionably have justice. However, when being a victim is overplayed, it can result in a culture of victimology. Victimology traps people in a whirlpool of resentfulness and entitlement. thing to remember is that language is power. Causes seeking social acceptance and political power choose the words for their slogans with great care. Uh, wherever possible, Uh, The politics of social engineering will seek ways to represent their cause as a justice issue. And this, sadly, can be abused because no issue can rightly be seen as a justice issue until the issue has first been determined to be inherently good. Only once this has been determined can it be considered to be a justice issue. And too many activists, I fear, try to put the cart before the horse. Activists will also try to enlist positive-sounding words and images to support their cause. Uh, They will try to use words such as uh, progressive uh, and yes and correct and rational after all no one wants to be associated with the reverse of what these words say it's just just not cool <laughs> a huge problem with identity politics is its inability to self-evaluate and self-criticize and today there are some things which uh, those seeking truth are simply not allowed to voice or investigate without being accused of hate abuse or intolerance. And this is actually quite scary. When the language of identity politics shuts down debate, it can do the very reverse of what it claims to do, i.e. seek justice. And instead, it has become a tool of repression used to enforce conformity. So the right use of politically correct language is laudable. However, the abuse of politically correct language is sociologically very frightening. When objective, truth-seeking debate is impossible because those seeking it are shut down by accusations of racism, imperialism and being hateful, then you really have arrived at a, a scary place. The ultimate end of extreme Politically correct language, when hand in hand with identity politics, is enforced conformity on everyone. You know, it says in effect, This is how you will speak. This is what you will believe. There must be no questions asked. No objective scholarly truth must be allowed to intrude. No critique will be tolerated. You must conform. If you don't, you will be sacked from your job in a childcare centre. If you don't, you will not win a government grant or be employed as a youth worker. If you don't, you will be caricatured by half-truths and beat-ups and pilloried by the press. And you will be stalked by media trolls who will seek to destroy your business and your reputation. We will punish you if you do not conform. And this is pretty frightening language, isn't it? Uh, It is the power play of ideological activists seeking to take control of a disintegrating civilization. The politically correct language debate is really part of a much larger debate, and that is the debate about where society is going. And its current trajectory, we have to say, is taking it a long way from Christianity. The fact that uh, today's society is letting its Christian heritage slip through its fingers is a concern. Uh, a major newspaper uh, this week, uh, when I recorded this, has reported that Australian millennials now want to embrace socialism. I wonder if that's true? They do so evidently because they have no knowledge of how the socialist worldview has played out in history. No one has tapped them on the shoulder and pointed out that refugees are not flocking to seek out the civility and culture of any communist or neo-Marxist state. I mean communism in the form of Lenin, Stalin and Mao was responsible for killing Tens of millions of people, many were murdered, and many others were starved to death because of the enforced ideology of collective farming. Pol Pot was a lot less subtle. He simply engaged in blatant genocide. So we have to say that by any measure, Marxism's social heritage is blood red. But it seems that many Australians don't remember. This is ironic because in their lust for unbridled liberty, they are in fact laying themselves open to a repressive ideology that will enforce conformity and which will lack any form of Christian civility. At a conference on Marxism in Melbourne in 2015, Ros Ward, spoke about how she developed the Safe Schools Programme in Australia for the express purpose of implementing Marxism in the classroom. Well, what do you think of that? (laughs) This sort of indoctrination of our children should be uh, of real concern. It should also be of concern that the state rather than parents seeking to take control over the sexual patterning, teaching and upbringing of our children. So this form of uh, conformity is deeply disturbing. The Russian philosopher and dissident Alexander Solzhenitsyn was asked to give the address at the University of Harvard's anniversary in 1978. It's worth hearing what he said. Here are some excerpts. The defence of the individual's rights has reached such extremes as to make society defenceless against certain individuals. Destructive and irresponsible freedom has been granted boundless space. Society appears to have little defence against the abyss of human decadence. As a survivor of the communist holocaust, I am horrified to witness how my beloved America, my adopted country, is gradually being transformed into a secularist and atheistic utopia, where communist ideals are glorified and promoted while Judeo-Christian values and morality are ridiculed and increasingly eradicated from the public and social consciousness of our nation. Under the decades-long assault and militant radicalism of so many called liberals and progressive elites, God has been progressively erased from our public and educational institutions to be replaced with all manner of delusion, perversion, corruption, violence, decadence and insanity. It was Dostoevsky who drew from the French Revolution and its seeming hatred of the church the lesson that revolution must necessarily begin with atheism. That is absolutely true. Within the philosophical system of Marx and Lenin, hatred of God is the principal driving force, more fundamental than all their political and economic pretensions. Militant atheism is not merely incidental or marginal to communist policy. It is not a side effect, but the central pivot. Western societies are losing more and more of their religious essence as they thoughtlessly yield up their younger generation to atheism. Wow! <laughs> so, what did you think of Alexander Solzhenitsyn? Hmm. Well, in our nation, uh, Jesus is now being banned from the social landscape. And societal norms have been turned on their heads. Fathers are becoming sidelined. Uh, sexuality has become anything you want it to be. Morality is scorned. And tolerance has become intolerance. The catch cry of some political. Correct people is one of tolerance. (laughs) But as G.K. Chesterton once said, tolerance is the virtue of someone who doesn't actually believe anything. (laughs) So it's worth asking, isn't it? Should everything be tolerated? Who decides what's in and what's out? I mean, who has the power? And by what means do they choose? Tolerance says it pertains to civility and gracious behaviour is, of course, a good thing. But preaching tolerance uh, can be a trick used by those in power to erase traditional truth from society. It works a bit like this. If everything must be tolerated, then nothing can be said to be actually true at all. And if Christianity, with its exclusive claims about hope, salvation and godly behaviour, can be said to be, well, not really true, then it can be relegated to a place of insignificance in society, put alongside all the other religions, worldviews and philosophies. And this leaves rationalism as the only thing left standing. But, of course, this rationalism has no ground of truth. It can therefore be manipulated by politically correctness, so that it becomes irrational, coercive, and controlling. If you disallow the Christian worldview, a place in society, you are not journeying towards tolerance, you are journeying, actually, towards intolerance. And you're reversing the centuries of good work by people who fought to have religious freedom and to have their lives determined by God's consistent principles in Scripture. And if Christianity is repressed, it should be of huge concern, because no other worldview other than Christ-like, authentic Christianity has ever produced civilizations that have been so fruitful, emancipating and civil. I'm Nick Hawkes.